Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Rain here from Tom's Big Spider. So first off, happy Father's Day to all the fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers out there. Hope you guys all have a wonderful one. Hope some of y'all actually get some spiders for Father's Day. I'm actually getting some spiders next week from Billy. She placed an order from Fear Not Tarantulas, so very excited about that because I got a couple things I've been looking for for quite some time on it. She did let me know what she was getting me because she asked and I told her what I thought I wanted. So not going to be a surprise. Like I think we did a video several years ago where she did the same thing and bought me a bunch of surprises. This one, I know what's on it. So can't wait to do that one. That'll probably be a video which I'll post next week also I want to point out that his luck would have it I did feeding yesterday I used crickets I've talked about this before and as usually happens a couple of them got away well I went up here this morning I was putting my notes together for this podcast and it was silent not a cricket to be heard and the moment I hit record on this the crickets started up in the background so I apologize again we try to keep things somewhat professional here Hopefully the cricket noises don't drive people nuts. I just think of this ambient background noise. I mean, oh, there's Tom talking about spiders with the crickets serenading them in the background. So hopefully they're not too over the top. We have one that's really going nuts. I've stopped a couple times to go over and try to figure out where it was. Apparently the spiders in my house are too busy eating my tarantulas to bother with the crickets. So, oh, that hurt to say. So hopefully they calm down. Usually what happens is as I get going, they calm down. So I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm always concerned about that. But again, as I've spoken about before, the tarantulas when I'm doing the podcast I'm right up in the tarantula room and sometimes because you use crickets you're gonna have some crickets in the background so today the first thing I want to cover is a genus change Terinopelma sasme is now Lazio cayenio sasme uh, basically there was a new paper that came out it was weird because it was the day I posted on Instagram a picture of what was my P sasme and somebody came on went the name's changed I'm like when did this happen how did I miss this well it was the exact same day I believe it came out on 615. So very, very new. Um, at least we kept the Sosme part. It's been P. Sosme for years for me. Now it's L. Sosme. It doesn't quite have the same ring, but that usually happens when they have the name changes. I guess Lazio means hairy, and Cayeno, as you've probably guessed, means blue. So really incredibly thoughtful renaming. <laughs> I guess it works. Uh, it, it, they are hairy. They are blue. But just a note there that it's time to get out the old label makers and change those. So the brunt, uh, the majority of the podcast today is going to be, if anybody's seen my latest YouTube video, I apologize in advance. Usually I separate these things. However, what usually happens is I will sit down to do a podcast. I will do, you know, lay out my notes and the podcast, I can speak in much more detail about things. So I can go on for an hour if I want. No big deal. And people are going to listen because that's the type of entertainment, that's the type of media it is. It's it's a longer media. With the videos, I always feel the need to keep them on the shorter side. I know some folks would love for me to do longer videos, but they just, I want them to have a quick flow. I want people to be able to jump in, get it, you know, have some, either learn something and be able to use that information quickly, or in the case of the more fun videos, kind of a little fun time and move on. So I usually keep them around the 20 minute mark. I picture the average half hour TV show without the commercial breaks. And so this time I actually sat down to do the podcast notes and thought, hey, while I'm here, why don't I try to strip this down and make the YouTube video script out of it? So I did the YouTube video, which was my five largest spiders I currently have and picked, you know, five of them talked a bit about the size. What I tried to look at, because a lot of folks will come out there and they'll say, this spider gets to be 11 inches. This spider gets to be 12 inches. This spider gets to be 24. Now, obviously there's no 24 inches, but we talk about the size of spiders. I want people to have a realistic view of how big 
big they can expect them to get. Now, are there spiders that are going to get bigger than the ones I'm going to talk about? Like, so for example, if I pull out P. Cancerides and say that my P. Cancerides is eight inches, does somebody out there have one that's probably nine inches? Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I believe that. But I think what sometimes gets lost in the shuffle is that the, we do have these anomalies, these ones that get really, really, really big, and that's not necessarily the norm. Also, I think a point that people sometimes forget is that female tarantulas, not males, female tarantulas grow throughout their entire lives. So if I have, say, a, we'll stick with Vermictopus, a Vermictopus species, a lot of folks think they live 20 years, 25 years, that would be amazing. If that's the case, and they continue to molt with some regularity, so even if it's every two years, and they put on a quarter of an inch each time, they're going to keep putting on size as they grow. So you're going to get a spider that is sexually mature at probably seven or eight inches. Picture a seven or eight inch spider, sexually mature. That's an adult spider. So what happens is the longer you have them, the more size they put on, that's when you start getting into those really, really big spiders in a lot of these cases. So I think that always needs to be taken into consideration that you may have a spider that's right around that seven or eight inch mark for a long period of its life. But if it lives to 20 years, you know, if it hits that point by seven or eight years, it lives to 20 years, it's going to continue to slowly grow and put on more size. And I think that's the part people don't think about is like, sure, you've had the spider for eight years. It's eight inches. Well, it seems to be full grown, not even close. It's going to keep growing. So that's one of the things we have to look at too. So obviously I have not had any of the species I'm going to talk about for the 20 year lifespan or 15. I believe Pamphlobedius, they say 15 years. Um, who knows? I've heard somebody that had one that I believe was 18 years old, a female. Uh, for Mictopus, you often hear anywhere from 15 to 25 around there. Again, who knows? A lot of different variations. One thing I'm realizing more as I've been in the hobby is that A, a lot of the lifespans are exaggerated or just guesstimates. B, a lot of the lifespans are based, I think, on wild, like ones that they got from the wild that seem to live a little bit longer because they're not eating as frequently. They're not growing as quickly, maybe. There's a lot of variants that can impact a spider's growth. And I am starting to recognize that keepers can some way shorten the lifespan of their spiders if you're keeping them at warmer temperatures and feeding them more consistently. And I mean, some of them from Mictibus, again, we'll go back to that example. I've seen from Mictibus that will fatten up and they will just go into a pre-molt period that lasts well over a year. So that's a case where it's regulating itself. It's not going to fatten up and then quickly molt and you're going to keep getting a bunch of molts on. But you have to wonder if you get a spider from, an, 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 say, from Mictibus, three quarters of an inch to six inches in two years, that's probably a sexually mature spider. That's a spider that's an adult by all accounts. And what it'll just do at that point is you're tacking on extra size. But in many ways, you've rushed it through that first part of its life cycle. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about. I've been seeing it more. I think when I first got into the hobby, the goal was to grow these guys up more quickly because I want to do husbandry guides on them. And I only feel comfortable doing the husbandry guides if I've had them for a while and if I've raised them to adults. So it kind of behooved me to grow them up a little more quickly. But now that I'm having a lot of spiders pass away at the you know magical 10-year mark, 11-year mark, like right around that, and I've heard other folks that maybe have had them 12, 13, 14, I'm starting to realize that maybe that shortened it just a bit. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Some of the largest ones I have in my collection. They are no, this is not a bragging thing. I think sometimes people with their tarantulas, it becomes like a contest where you'll post up, well, my tarantula here is eight and a half inches and somebody will come on and go, oh, that's nothing. Mine was nine and a half. Mine was 10. 
giggle. It's one of those deals where I don't want it to turn to that. I'm just reporting what I've got. This is one of the things when I report, I try to give all the information I have so people can have a complete picture of not only the growth rate of why they're getting the growth rate. So we'll talk about right now the fact that the majority of these species I got when I was at the old house. At that time, the temperatures of the old house were were cooler than they are here. Summertime, 75, 76 to 80 usually. It didn't get 80 all that much. Most of the time, high 70s, mid to high 70s in the summertime. The room was good. That it kept kind of cooler cool during the summer. During the wintertime, it was cooler. So I used to have a space heater in there that I would set to like 72. So the upper levels of the tarantula room were around 72, 73, depending on the temperature. Lower levels were much cooler. And there was a time period, a lot of the ones that we're going to talk about, I got back in 2013 and 14, where I had no extra heater. In the wintertime, it would easily be the 60s, uh, mid to high 60s in the wintertime. And they grew just fine. So just to give people an idea of the conditions that they were kept in, the temperatures they were kept in, my feeding schedules back then were fairly aggressive. Everybody got slings. It was twice a week without fail. Juveniles, usually twice a week, every other, you know, every four or five days or so. And then adults, it was usually once a week. So that was a pretty aggressive feeding schedule. I've detailed in a previous podcast the fact that I've backed off a bit with my aggressive feeding schedule. I no longer do that. If I pull a spider out and it's looking chunky, it doesn't get fed. And the ones that are molting or have just molted and need to put on size, those get attended to a little more often. So that's the conditions these were kept in. And these are the growth rates. Now, what I'm looking at specifically, because one of the things we do is we look at a molt. The best way to measure a tarantula, honestly, is to get its molt. Get that molt, pull it out. If you have to soak it in some water, if it's already hardened up, one thing you want to know is it shrunk a bit. I did notice one of the molts that I had measured, I had a picture of it with the tape measure. I pulled it out not too long after the spider had molted, spread it out, and it was nine inches. And then later on, I went to remeasure the same molt again to get another picture because I didn't know where the old picture was. I found it afterwards. And it was eight and a half inches. So they tend to, when they molt, they pump all that fluid in between and you get kind of an idea of how big the spider is. But once it dries out, it kind of shrivels up a bit. So that's something to keep in mind that when you're measuring the molts, when they're dried out, they can shrink a bit. But what I really wanted to do is take a look at the last, these are all adults. These are all sexually mature female spiders. So what ends up happening, like I started to say earlier, is that you get a molt, you measure the molt, and the molt say eight and a half inches. And you go, well, this spider's got to be nine, nine and a half inches. Now we guess, we don't know how much size they put on. So what I tried to do is a couple of years ago, I did a video featuring my big ones and I tried to measure all the molts so I could say, hey, here is proof of where this spider is at right now. Here's where I'm guessing it's actual new sizes. And this way I could kind of see how much size are they putting on with each new molt. Many of the species we're going to talk about today go through growth spurts where they can jump, it seems like an inch. I know for Mictopus, there's one molt in particular where they go from looking like little blue slings or like two inches or so to all of a sudden they're like four inch hairy spiders. It's amazing, huge jump. But do they usually have those huge jumps as adults? They don't. And that's one of the things I wanted to look at today. Realistically, what type of size are we putting on with each molt once these guys hit sexual maturity? Once they hit that magic seven and a half inch mark or whatever it may be, obviously this won't apply to Theraphosa species because they get much, much bigger. But some of the other ones here, 
what are we looking at as far as realistic growth rate? So what we're going to do is go through a list of some of the ones that I have, some of my absolute biggest in the video. I limited it to five. We have a little more than five here. I slipped in some of the other ones that I just, again, didn't, A, didn't have good pictures of because that's one of the things when you put in together a video, you want good video. And even the ones I did the video of, some of the some of the footage is not very good. I was trying to get the, the, the colors to pop. I was messing with the lights. Billy's so much better at this sometimes than me because I'm now on summer break. I have extra time on my hand. Billy works during the day. So it's time for me to kind of work on some of these longer videos. And sometimes I just have to go and go, all right, I need footage for this and go take the spider out, try to get it. So that's the reason why some of these guys weren't on here, but they're ones I want to include on this one. So this is like the director's cut of the video. So if you've seen the video already, this one hopefully will have some surprises in it because I've added a couple things to it. So for example, to kick it off, we're starting off with Pamphibedia's species Duran, the Duran bird eater. I forget what the common name is. But I bought two slings back in August of 2014. They were right around an inch or so. They had those nice little Christmas tree patterns on the butt. This was after I got P. Antonis, and I had heard my P. Antonis was a sex female at the time, and I had heard that they the slings are adorable with those little patterns on their abdomens. So I saw somebody, I thought it was Pet Center USA back in the day. I could be wrong on this one. Somebody had them for sale. And I decided to pick up two. I couldn't find anything on them. Like, this will be a wonderful surprise. And it was a wonderful surprise. Because the male, in particular, when it molted out, is to date probably the most beautiful spider I've ever seen. It was pink, fuchsia, purple, just... And sadly, this was back when I would record. I had just started doing YouTube videos and kind of taking that a little more seriously. And in fact, fun note, my first husbandry video on YouTube actually featured Pamphibedia species Duran. It was back in October of 2015. This is when I really started taking the YouTube thing a little more seriously. But anyway, the male was absolutely stunning and really kind of opened my eyes to how beautiful some spiders could be. But the both of the specimens hit right around 5 inches or 12.7 centimeters in the first year. So I got excellent growth rate on them. They lost those Christmas tree patterns fairly quickly, but with them came pinks. Even the female had beautiful pinks and purples for quite some time. As she put on size, unfortunately, those pinks and purples went away, but she picked up some browns with some hints of pink in it in the longer hairs. She was a fluffy, she's a much fluffier Pamphibedia species than most Pamphibedia species. Most Pamphibedia species have that velvety appearance. She's very, very fluffy. Recently, she molted and she turned like a fluffy, dark chocolate brown, almost black coloration. Just a very striking spider. But speaking of her, I did measure the last couple molts. Her previous molt, which was three years ago or so, was 7.75 inches or 19.7 centimeters. Her most recent molt, which was around last year, was just over the 8-inch mark or 20.32 centimeters. So she put on about a quarter of an inch with that. So now I'm guessing she's likely around 8 and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters. So big, beefy spider. Very, again, I think the fluffiness really stands out to me on this one. And as far as carrots concerned with these guys, because I got a funny feeling some people are going to be listening to this, put together a little shopping list for the folks that want the big spiders. Here you go. Here are some ones that I've raised that I can tell you, yes, they get big. And the majority of them will get, will put on massive size in that first year. Care was fairly simple, like any pamphlet. With the slings, give them moist substrate, room to dig, hide. 
The big thing is to keep it a little bit moist. I let the top dry out. I allow the bottom to, I keep the bottom moist by pouring water down the side of the enclosure so it trickles down the bottom. We don't want the top all muddy. And I did found that as slings, find that as slings, both of these burrowed for quite some time, right up until they hit around four or five inches or so. Part of that was due to the fact that I gave them less substrate to burrow in, at which point they would use their hides. Nowadays, I tend to give my all of my spiders enough room, at least four or five inches of substrate or so, so that they can burrow. As juveniles, again, I kept part of the substrate moist. They had a water dish. As adults, they are very, very hardy spiders. You can keep them moist. I haven't noticed that they seem to prefer moisture at all, but you can give them a moist corner, especially wintertime. I do keep things part moist. Let's put that out there. When the temperature drops, the heat comes on, the air dries out. I do keep part of it moist. I give them a large water dish. Very, my girl does need a rehousing. She's in one of these sterilite, large sterilite shoebox type containers. And I want to get her in something prettier because I really want to see her more often. And those things are kind of milky. It's just not worthy of the spider. But Pamphibetus species Duran floating around probably about eight and a quarter inches. Very, very big spider. Now, while we're talking about Pamphibetus, we have to talk about my Pamphibetus antinus or my big black or the steely blue leg. Now, I've had some questions about which version of the spider this is. I'm honestly not sure. I have a buddy of mine that had a male, but I'm not sure it's the right species. This was sold as the steely blue the Steely Blue Leg, which is one of the common names. I'm not sure if it's the Bolivian or Peru version. I'm leaning toward the Peru version. Uh, we're not sure if they're just different color forms, if they eventually be different species, but there's talks out there that there are like four or five different species of P. antinus, depending on where they come from. Ecuador, I think, has a couple. I have the Chicken Spider that is another one. I'm not sure which one this is. But anyway, I bought this one. Unfortunately, did not buy her as a sling. I bought her as, I believe, a, a four-inch sexed female on April of 2014. One of the things I really enjoyed with growing this one up is the color changes. She started off like brown and velvety, and then she, after a couple molts, picked up a darker coloration with some red hairs on her abdomen. Then after that, she basically turned jet black and Spent a lot of time jet black. Then she spent some time brown again. And she was just a, a big brown spider. Beautiful brown spider. Big, big brown spider. And then recently she molted again. And she is back to being black. So kind of interesting that they're going through. And we're talking about lighter brown to black all over the place during the course of her life cycle. So very, very cool. This one, I don't know how long it took her to or how fast she grew in the first year, obviously, because she was already around four inches or so when I got her. I would guess probably the same as any other Pamphibetia species where you can expect four to five inches at least. And as for her molts, her previous molt was around the eight inch mark or 20.32 centimeters. Her newest molt was right around 8.25. It was a little over 8.25, but we'll call it eight and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters. So I'm guessing she's anywhere around eight and a half to eight and three quarters inches. So 8.5 to 21.6 centimeters, probably around there, which again is a big spider. She is more velvety than the Pamphibetia species Duran I mentioned earlier, which I love. Again, that's one of the things I love about Panthos is that velvety appearance. They have those really short hairs. It looks like velvet, which 
I find very, very attractive. But once again, very hardy spider as far as care is concerned. Slings, deep moist substrate. Juveniles, deep substrate. Keep part of it moist. Water dish. Adults, keep part of it moist when it's drier out. You can let it dry out a bit in the summer. Just make sure they have a nice big water dish. Very easy to grow. So anybody looking at Pamphibedia species, I highly recommend for folks who are looking for slings to grow up. You know, when we talk about first slings, we talk a lot about the quote-unquote beginner species. I think some of those can be difficult for people because they can be tedious. And by the time you get a spider that's an inch, you've already probably bought a bunch of other spiders that are adults, quite frankly. So pamphos are a good one. I have folks ask me, are they a good one to start with? Can they be a good beginner species? Yes, I think if somebody's got the wherewithal to know, they're going to get bigger. They can be a little bit skittish. Mine have all gone through my Pamphibius antis is very, she went through a stage where she was like a pet rock and she would just sit there anytime I take out her container. Now she's a little more skittish. However, I do need to get her into something deeper. I'm probably going to put her into one of those 10 gallon reptile, uh, what do they call the barbarous growth, reptile growth enclosures. So she has more room. And I think if I give her more room, more substrate, substrate, she'll be able to burrow a little bit, create a hide, she'll be more secure. So that's something to keep in mind. That might be why I'm getting some of that, some of that skittish behavior. And again, that's one of the things I'm changing in my care as time goes on. But awesome spiders. Again, Panthos, you can't go wrong with them. I'm a huge fan of the big terrestrial spiders. So Panthos definitely got to love them. So next up on my list, I have a Formictopus species. Formictopus have been a wonderful surprise. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge fan of Formictopus. But when I first started picking them up, there were a lot of debates about how big they get. Some people said, yeah, seven inches is probably about average. Other folks said, oh, you can expect eight and a half. I know some folks said that theirs were nine or so. Bottom line, most of the ones I have are big, big spiders. So first off, we're going to talk about Formictopus adachromatis or the Red Island Bird Eater. I picked up three slings in the summer of 2014. When I bought them, I think at this point I had only had my Formictopus cancerides and what was sold to me is Formictopus species purple, which ended up being cancerides. <laughs> hey, who can have, you can't have too many cancerides. But anyway, I remember seeing these lists like, oh my God. And I remember back in the day reading that Formictopus adachromatis and Formictus cancerides were both considered to be the Haitian brown for quite some time. So people weren't sure what they got. So I definitely wanted one and I love them. I have three females. They're like pet rocks. They are so laid back, so calm. I know other folks will be like, what? The only time I've gotten threat postures out of any of my Formictopus is when you open up the container, they're kind of in that standby mode and you drop prey in. And then all of a sudden the prey startles it and they go into those massive threat postures where they flip over on their backs. I have a couple videos I have to put up at some point of them doing it because it's kind of funny. And the one thing I will point out, and I pointed this out in the video as well, some spiders, they throw up the threat posture. You can see like OBTs, I've seen it. They see it, their fangs are out. They're rubbing their chlorisera together. There's venom coming out. They mean business. With the Formictobus, it's a show because the fangs aren't out. Their fangs are curled up against so them. They're just putting up the show, trying to look big and impressive so people back off. But awesome spiders. The growth rate, all three of them hit around four and a half inches or 11.42 centimeters or so in the first year. So I got excellent growth out of them. Right around the same growth rate as my P. cancerides. So they were fast growers. And again, they were one of those spiders that went from being little blue slings. So all of a sudden they have that magic molt where they seem to pick up in half, you know, an inch and a half a size, two inches a size, and they go from blue to looking like almost little adults, which is amazing. Now, this one, the previous molt was seven inches or 17.8 centimeters, so decent size, not huge, but the newest molt was around 7.5 inches or 19.5 centimeters. So you're talking about a gain 
of a half an inch, which is pretty good gain for a spider that's already that big. So I would guess the size of these girls around to be around eight inches or 20.32 centimeters right now. So that would be what I would consider a very, very big spider. And they now are larger than all of my peak and So they did kind of lap them a little, not hugely larger, but they've definitely larger than the peak sincerity. So that's something to know. But these guys, again, and you're going to hear me say this with the majority of spiders on this list, as far as care is concerned, they are, and, and count how many times, if you watch the video, I felt bad because I kept saying the same term and I was even like cringing when I said it. They're like bulletproof in terms of husbandry there. I'm not going to say it again, I promise. But they are very, very easy to keep slings. I've seen some people keep the slings dry. It sounds like they can keep them dry with a water dish. I don't encourage that. I think all the slings appreciate a little moisture, especially these guys are from tropical locales. So slings, deep moist substrate. Mine didn't do all that much digging, but they seem to appreciate the moist substrate. They start off larger so you can drop a water dish in there. You can put them, I would house them if you got a bigger one, like three quarters of an inch to an inch. House them in something a little bigger than you normally would a sling that size because they are going to put on decent size with each mole and they should grow rather quickly. As juveniles, you want to give them something, again, it gives them some room to, to dig in case they want to. I did keep part of the substrate moist at all time, but I wasn't crazy about it, and they had a water dish. And then as adults, same thing as my panfos. I keep them in the summertime, mostly dry, and then I will occasionally overflow the water dish, but they always have a nice big water dish in there, a water dish. And in the wintertime, I tend to moisten at least part of the substrate down for a little bit, let it dry out, repeat. But they do fine just like that. I've never had an issue. I've had some molt in the summer where the substrate is bone dry and they do completely fine with it. So very, very easy to keep. Beginner friendly. And if you like, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say people are going to chime in and go, I have adachromatis and it's crazy. So keep in mind, they are capable of having some attitude. And you're talking about a spider that can get to be eight inches. An eight inch spider throwing up the threat posture can be a little bit intimidating. But the good news is they don't bolt they hold their, they hold their ground so it means they're not going to be running out at you and they're not big hair kickers i don't think i've ever i think i've had one formictopus species out of the i don't know how many i'm up to 12 13 14 different quote-unquote species that i keep one actually kick hair at me it was the weirdest thing i giggled because i was like i've never seen that before they're not big hair kickers they'd rather throw up that stand their ground throw up the threat posture and hope you just leave them alone but if somebody's prepared for that or used to working or have seen the threat posture before, it doesn't bother them, not that much of a big deal. It can startle you when you're feeding them and you're a couple inches away and all of a sudden they throw that threat posture out and you're like, whoa. But overall, I, I love them. Just really good-looking spiders and, and good showcase spiders. You can take them out and be like, hey, there's my spider. It's right out in the open. So for Mictibus atacromatis, easily one of the biggest in my collection. Awesome spiders. You can find their fairly readily available now. Back in the day, like 10 years ago, they were a little more difficult to find, but I think they're offered quite a bit now. So I definitely encourage folks to pick them up. So while we're talking about Formictibus species, I need to talk about the largest Formictibus species I have in my collection. As a matter of fact, I'm actually shocked with how big these guys got. When I first picked them up, I had heard they get to be about seven, eight inches or so. So it was like, fingers crossed they get that big. They've definitely exceeded the seven inch. They've definitely exceeded eight inches. I am talking about Formictibus species South Hispaniola or Formictibus species green femurs. Is they're kind of sold as the, it's considered to be, or many consider it to be the same spider. Who knows? The genus is a disaster. I also just picked up Formictibus species by Ahibe, which 
I think it's a Bayahibe. I have two species that one, I believe it's a Bayahibe. I could be misspeaking here. I'll double check afterwards, but is looking a lot like the green femur. Like it's reminding me exactly what the green femurs look like. And I've heard that from the same area. So it might be the same spider. This is the problem now when you get a spider. And this is one thing that kind of makes me sad is that back in the day for Myctopus, nobody was really into them. So you could get the slings for fairly cheap and they were inexpensive. And now the prices, now that people want them, they're pulling up all these species, you know, ones from different areas and selling them for the exorbitant amounts of money. And we're not sure if they're ones we might already have in our collections. So this could be something that I picked up slings back in the day, like 50 bucks, and then I spent 125 bucks. Some of them were like 200 bucks for the same exact spider that I already have a bunch of adults from. So that's the the gamble we make when we start buying these new species. But anyway, I bought two slings in March of 2015. Their growth was fantastic. I believe one of the biggest one hit around five inches or 12.7 centimeters in the first year. So that's excellent growth rate. And these are guys that... They're a little more gangly and a little less fluffy than some of the other Formictopus species. They get the name Green Fever Femur because they develop, a big surprise here, green femurs under the right light. It looks almost a dark brown or black under regular light, but if you hit them with the right light, they, they're iridescent. They show green. The carapace, they go through a period, we used to call them the Christmas tree spider or the Christmas ornament spider, because they go through a period where they will have the green on their femurs, gold carapace, and red hairs on their abdomens, which makes them look like very Christmassy. Gold, green, red, awesome spiders, beautiful spiders. That does dull out. A couple things I've noticed with age. A, the gold carapace tends to yield to a more green carapace, and the red on the abdomen tends to dull out a bit, and the green on the femurs tends to dull out just a bit it's not quite as vibrant and the green tends to spread down the rest of the legs a little bit more so still beautiful spiders and huge spiders the previous molt for this one was seven and three quarters inches or 19.7 centimeters the newest molt was eight and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters so put on a decent size with that last molt so the size now i'm guessing my biggest is probably around eight and a half inches or 21.6 centimeters. So very, very big spider. Leggy spider. I think that's something that should be mentioned. They're very, very leggy. But care, again, I've gone through this. I don't want to go through the whole thing you know, in detail because we've just covered it. Very, very easy to take care of. Slings, moist substrate, demoist substrate. Juveniles, give them some moist substrate, hide. Allow the substrate to dry out a little bit. One end, keep the other end moist. See if they show a preference. Water dish. And then adults. I have my adults on several inches. Most of my adults on several inches of substrate. They don't burrow anymore. They haven't for a while, even given the opportunity. But again, we give them that. And the wintertime, I moisten down part of the substrate. Large water dish. Summertime, let things dry out a bit. They do just fine. And one thing that should be mentioned about all the Formictobus species and Pamphibedias that we've talked about at this point awesome eaters, awesome eaters. Like I have a little Pamphibedius mascara that I just fed the other day. I dropped in a cricket and it was one of those ones like, oh God, that's going to be too bit. And before I could even finish my thought, she pounced. I grabbed the cricket, no problem. The Formictobus, one of the things that delighted me about them when I first got into them is those little blue slings hit like trucks. They bolt across the enclosure, grab prey, roll with it, take down sometimes prey items that were bigger than they were, as big as they were. It was great to watch. So they all eat like pigs, which is fun if you love feeding your spiders. But it also leads to that situation we alluded to earlier, where if you love feeding your spiders, you tend to feed them more often. So are we shortening their lifespans? I don't know. But anyway, Formictobus species, green femurs, definitely, I think a lot of people, if you see them out there, pick them up. They're great spiders. 
they go through, I think the period where they had the gold carapace, the green femurs, and the red booty was probably four or five years worth of that type of look to the spider. And it's worth it just for that. Is it dulled out a little bit? Yes, but that's going to happen with age. A lot of these guys, and who knows, the next molt might bring something else. I've had spiders that look like they've dulled out, then they molt again, and I get something brand new and amazing. So for Mictibus species green femur at eight and a half inches, easily one of the biggest in my collection. So up until this point, all we've had is large terrestrials. Let's take a moment and zig and zag and go over and check out a large arboreal. We're talking about, well, in this case, we're going to be talking about my piece of Ethereum rufalata or red slate ornamental. One of my girls is big, very, very big. I got two slings back in April of 2016. They were about an inch or so, so fairly well started. And immediately they did what pokies will do. I gave them deep substrate with some moisture and, you know, moist substrate, but set the enclosure up like a, an arboreal enclosure. They went behind the cork bark did a little bit of digging, put up those dirt curtains, the web curtains, and for a while I didn't see them, but they put on really good size because in October of 2016, I had to rehouse them for the first time, and at that point, they were already pushing four inches, so that's really, really good growth rate. Growth-wise, they hit, I believe there were over five inches or 12.7 centimeters in the first year, so that's a spider that went from a sling to what's, in many cases, a full-grown adult for other species in just one year's time, and Obviously, Pisolotheria is this, we've been talking about some of the other ones that make good beginner species. This is not a species I would recommend normally to a beginner. A, they get big. B, although Pisolotheria, in my experience, would much rather use their natural camouflage or run than stand and fight. There have been folks that have reported that their Rufaladas, Rufaladas and, or, and Ornatas tend to be mentioned as the ones that can be a little more defensive than other Pisolotheria species, which coupled with the fact that they are the two biggest Pisolotheria species can be kind of intimidating and could pose a risk to somebody not used to working with faster spiders. Again, I find them relatively easy to deal with, but somebody that goes in afraid of their spider, that's not confident in their rehousings, could have a mishap. They could lead, you know, God forbid it leads to a bite. Their venom is nasty, really nasty. So not something you want to trifle with. But anyway, gorgeous spiders. The one thing that I didn't realize for years, I I was enamored with the black, white, and gray Pisolotheria species. Obviously, you got to love Pisolotheria metallica with the blue, but I love specifically love the black, white, and gray ones. And then I saw pictures of the Rufalata that just didn't do it justice because when I got one of my girls molted and she turned like a vibrant green, it blew my mind. I love green tarantulas. So they're green. They're big. They're green with some yellows. Again, as they get older, the green dulls a little bit, but right after a molt, they're just stunning. Now, the last molt for this one, she was right around seven and a half inches or 19.5 centimeters. The most recent molt, she was just over 8 inches or 20.32 centimeters. So put on some really good size. She was actually stretched up against the glass once in that pokey thing where they stretched the legs all the way out. And she was easily 8.5 inches, probably just over 8.5 inches or 21.6 centimeters. So pushing 8 and 3 quarter centimeters, close to 9 inches, that is a big spider. And if you like pokies, there's nothing better than that, you know, cryptic pattern they have in their abdomens and their back throw in a little green big spider just beautiful care slings you're gonna to want to give them a little room uh, these are one of the ones that the smaller slings i sometimes start in either 20 ounce deli cups or the old 32 ounce deli cups give them enough substrate so that it stays moist the bottom layers stay moist cork bark high lean against the side water just if you can fit it in there 
Uh, juveniles, I put them in something that's usually around a couple gallons or so. You want to give them some room because, again, this is one of those species that they'll be three inches one minute, five inches the next. They, there's one molt in particular where they seem to put on massive size. And again, with a species like this that can be quicker, that has that potential, you know, well, not potential, it has nasty venom, you want to limit the rehousings if you can. So for some folks, if you put them in a 32-ounce deli cup and they hit that you know four-inch mark in the deli cup, there'll be one molt where they'll be like, this is a little cramped. Oh my gosh, it's way too cramped. You can easily take that deli cup and put it into their adult enclosures. Make sure you have lots of different hides for them and some foliage so they'll feel comfortable and they'll have cover. And then you can put them right into the adult enclosure and spare yourself that extra rehouse. But adults, I keep my the substrate slightly moist at all times. Water dishes, I have my big one of my big girls in a large 12 by 12 by 16 the Exoterra Minis, I think it is, Mini Tall. The other one will be going into the same thing. And the other day, I tried to get footage of her. And unfortunately, she, as I went to go in and get my, I got my phone, I went to open her enclosure and she went and hid. So she's, like I said, they're more shy than anything. But Pisotheria rufolata, easily one of the biggest in my collection. I do have several or not as I'm growing up. And I did have somebody chime in that they had an 11, one of their female or not as molted, and the molt was 11 inches. I can't imagine 11-inch pokey. I want to see 11-inch pokey. Now, granted, there was no proof. Like, I didn't get a photograph for myself, so who knows? We get this a lot where people will tell me they got these giant spiders and they, they can't prove it. But I have heard ones easily getting 10 inches, so we'll have to see how it goes. Maybe we'll be adding that one to the list a few years down the road. For the next one on my list, we're going back to the Formictopus, the genus Formictopus. We're going to talk about Formictopus species Dominican purple, originally sold to me as Formictopus species caudus violet, which is ridiculous because caudus is a Cuban species and a totally different spider. And the slings start off as brown. These guys were blue, but I got two slings back in July of 2015. And they immediately became some of my favorites because I had heard, I hadn't seen many photos, but I'd heard somewhere that they get to be a brilliant purple. Well, my, 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 do they. I mean, easily one of the most beautiful spiders I've ever kept. The one thing I love about the Formictopus in comparison to the Panthos is Panthos, the females, inevitably lose that beautiful, the beautiful colors, whether it be the, you know, the purples or the pinks, the... Formictopus species, on the other hand, females all keep them. So I've got my erratus, my species green, my green femurs, my purples. All of the females are full grown and still have those colors, which is an extra bonus. Now, granted, the males are beautiful as well. And Pamphobetus, I love my pamphlets, but that was something that I thought really stood out because I had people would see pictures of the purple Formictopus back in the day and they go, oh, what is that, a male? No, 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 that's a female. That's an adult female. So my purple is finally getting to the point where her purples are dulling out a bit. She's still got them. They're still on her femurs lower legs, carapace, but she's getting, both of them are getting older and they're starting to dull a little bit, but you're talking about spiders now that are what, seven, eight years old. So the fact that they are still this size and still have those purples is awesome. But anyway, for growth, these both hit about 4.75 inches or 12 centimeters in the first year. I got great growth on them. They were, they ate and acted very much like a Cancerides, except I will say Behavior-wise, attitude-wise, these two are the most skittish and potentially defensive 
Formictopus species I keep. So with that beauty comes a little bit, I don't like to say attitude. Obviously, if they're skittish, they're 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 reacting because they're feeling threatened, but they will bolt around their enclosures. I have had a couple threat postures from them again, usually dropping prey items in. A lot of running though, more running than anything. So you gotta keep, you know, keep that in mind if you pick these up. But I think it's totally worth it. And they're I've never had one escape out of its enclosure or anything like that. It just they'll give you a little start when you got a seven, eight inch spider kind of charging around its enclosure. But previous molt, seven. 7.75 inches or 19.7 centimeters. The, the latest molt, the newest molt, 8 inches or 20.32 centimeters. So I would guess the size of this one to be right around 8 and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters. Now, again, big, big spider. And what's better than, you know, an extra large spider that comes in purple? So in the video, I tried to get some, I got some spots where you get her under the right light. You can definitely see that purple pop, but it's a little more difficult than it was in the past. Right after the molts, they are ridiculous, stunning. And I will say they went through, they both went through a stage where their carapaces were like a fuchsia pink and the legs were purple, which was really striking. This was one of the spiders I use. I always use the Orphanacus philippinus as the kind of the mascot of the channel. And that's why Tom's Big Spiders, everything is orange. But every once in a while, I'll swap it out for the purple version, which usually features one of my Formictobus species, Dominican purples, because I love purple as well. Nothing like a purple spider, but awesome spiders. Same care as the ones we mentioned before. So I'm not going to go through it again. Slings, give them room to dig, moist substrate. Juveniles, again, some room to dig, moist substrate. Adults, I did give mine room to dig and burrow. And one of them, well, one of them has a big uh, primal cage enclosure. I think it's like 12 by 12 by 16 inches or so. And I give her enough substrate to burrow. She didn't bother burrowing at all. She did, after this last molt, though, calm down a bit. And that's something to mention. That's why I just had somebody the other day talk to me about, they left a comment on YouTube and they're like, I have seven tarantulas and I've made a point of holding them all and they're all very tame now. And my caution was, that's great. Be careful after they molt because I've had spiders that are completely, seem completely tractable. They molt and they get totally different attitudes. And that's something you always got to keep in mind. But but public service announcement aside, just be careful. Awesome, awesome spiders. And again, I want to point out the reason why I always slip and call them Formictobus species violets is because they were sold as Formictobus species caudus violet. So that's always stuck in my head. But they go by Formictobus species Dominican purple now. They seem to be more prevalent, which is amazing because they are stunning, stunning spiders. So for the next one, we're going to pause for a minute with the ones I currently keep and talk a bit about the Theraphosis Sturmy that I've had in the past. I had a male that I bought. I believe it was six inches when I bought it. It was like 50 bucks for a non-sexed adult, which was probably blatantly obvious a male. I realize now the person probably went, yeah, okay, whatever. But I didn't care. It was the first giant spider I had. It was the first spider that I looked at. I remember opening that thing up and having it crawl out and going, oh my God, what have I done? That is the biggest spider I've ever seen. And he ended up maturing out and I believe he's around, we measured him out, he's around nine and a half inches or so. So huge spider. I had another female T, uh, another male T Sturmy. Same thing, grew him out as an adult. He matured. That one was around nine and three quarters inches. And then his sister, she molted, was right around the 9.5 inch mark, nine and a half inch mark. And unfortunately, she ended up dying. I'm still gutted with that one. Don't know what happened. I thought their enclosure was right. The conditions were right. She was looking great. I was so excited. And then she passed away. She was sitting there looking live as can be. I went to feed her. She didn't budge. I'm like, uh-oh. And she died. So that one still kills me. That was probably the biggest ones I've had to date. But I'm hoping to pass those with the next spider on the list, which is Theraphosa blondi, the Goliath bird eater. Love blondi. I love the big spiders. And I've mentioned this before. 
I know folks will, I, every time I put something up with a Theraphos, there's somebody that comes on and goes, yeah, I just, I got a couple of these. They're boring. I don't like them. Whatever. That's great. Good for you. I, I guess different strokes for different folks when it comes to hobby. If we all like the same spiders, it would be a very narrow hobby. I think there's so many different species with so many attributes, sizes, behaviors, patterns, colors that everybody's going to have ones they like. And if you don't like them, that's fine. I, my thing is when you see a spider this huge, I don't know how you're not in awe of them. Even if they just sat there all day and did nothing and were the quintessential big brown spiders, I don't care because I'm enamored with the size of them. And I don't think they're just ugly big brown spiders. I, I got some video of my one of my Theraphosa blondie females. Her, dark, her undercoat is like a chocolatey brown, but there are pinkish hairs all over her that really, I think, had a little bit of beauty to them. But anyway, I picked up two slings from Fear Not Tarantulas in April of 2016. I actually had another one before, but this was one of the ones that I transferred onto the taint, what ended up being tainted substrate. It died shortly after. I was heartbroken. I thought it was my care. It was the substrate. Luckily, I figured that out. But the two that I have now are doing great. They both, one of them's growing a little more quickly than the other. I actually thought she was going to be a male because she was outsizing the other one. Not the case. I think it was a situation where I had one already. One passed away. I got a replacement one for the one that passed away. And that one was a little bit smaller at the time. So I think mine just ran lap because I, I was feeding the crap out of her, quite frankly. I loved watching them eat. But anyway, growth rate. These guys have been known to hit six inches in a year. Mine hit five and a half inches or 14 centimeters the first year I had them. They put on massive. It might even have been bigger than that. I looked at my notes. They were a little sketchy, but I thought we're going to go 5.5, which is huge. That's a big flipping spider. And the previous mold, and this is where I kind of screwed up because in the video, I said, this is my biggest one. And I accidentally looked at the wrong footage and the wrong molt. The one that I covered in the video was the smaller one. And her previous molt was eight and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters. Newest molt was 8.75 inches or 22.23 centimeters. So that was a half inch of growth. Her new size, I'm guessing, is right around nine and a quarter inches. So a big, big, big spider or 23.5 centimeters for the folks out there that use the metric system. However, after I put the video together, put it up, I tried to get footage of the big female first. And I forgot that she had molted again recently as well. And she was already bigger than the other one. So when I couldn't get footage of her, I hopped over to the other one. I talked about them like they were the same spider and then forgot that when the other one had molted, I had measured her molt and the last molt was over nine inches or 22.86 centimeters. So she is probably closer to nine and a half, nine and three quarters inches now, definitely way over nine inches. So slightly bigger than the other spider, but both of them over nine inches. I'm hoping with the next molt, I get the 10-inch spider. I just need to hit that 10-inch mark with some of these spiders. That's always been something I figured. If they hit 10 inches, I'm happy. I don't care if they grow again. Obviously, they'll continue to grow, but that's one of those marks. That, that is an enormous spider. So both of them over 9 inches, both of them beefy, beautiful girls, great eaters. Now, Theraphosa species. Back in the day, Theraphosa blondie had a reputation for being very difficult to keep. My suspicions are that the back in the day, a lot of the specimens that we'd get because they were supposedly very difficult to breed were wild-caught specimens. And I think the wild-caught specimens don't do as well in captivity. They're not 
not used to, they haven't been captive bred for years, so they don't do as well in captivity. We're not able to meet their needs as well. I also think that back in the day, we were so concerned with providing them with moisture that you would get things like, I believe it's the Tarantula Keeper's Guide, where he mentions swamp dwellers, where you got to keep them swamp. That's terrible. You don't want anything in swampy conditions. So I have a funny feeling a lot of them, we created terrible environments for them because we would moisten down the substrate to the point where it's swampy. And then you'd hear people talking about restricting airflow. Hey, you've got a lot of folks back then would keep them in the 10 gallon aquariums with the mesh tops or the wire tops, and they would just completely cover up the wire tops with plastic. So there was no airflow whatsoever terrible environment. I'm sure we probably killed them with all kinds of bacteria and everything else. I think nowadays we recognize with that moisture, we need to have good cross ventilation, at least some good ventilation in there. So mine, I do keep moist. I have one of them has two water dishes. The other one has one big water dish and a plant. I keep the lower levels moist. She has burrowed. She uses her burrow. In fact, that's why I couldn't get footage of her for my video because she immediately retreated to her burrow, which is great because more often than not, I come up here, she's sitting right out in the open. When I disturb her, she doesn't kick hairs. She doesn't run around. She just climbs into a burrow and hides, which I love. Beautiful, beautiful girls. Gigantic girls. For folks who want to keep them, I don't think they're as difficult as people make them out to be. Trick is moist substrate, deep moist substrate. That's a trick to anything. Honestly, you can use this with any spider. It's no magic. It doesn't make me the super keeper. It's easy to do, really. Give them several inches of moist substrate. Let the top dry out a bit. When you add water, squirt it down the sides of the enclosure so it goes down to the bottom layers. Folks ask me, do you do false bottoms? I do not. I may do some more experimenting with them in the future. I have not found that I have to. I found that if I pack my substrate down, if I make, A, if I use a substrate that that allows for me to pour water in and rehydrate more easily. So for example, I went to use top, I used topsoil for many, many years. And topsoil, once it packs down, once it dries out, it's difficult to rehydrate. You pour water in, it doesn't soak in, it muds up the top. And then what happens is because only the top gets moist, A, the top's always moist, which you don't necessarily want. B, it evaporates much more quickly. So it dries out more quickly. You want those lower levels moist. So I've either mixed my own, used the BioDude stuff I found works very well. If you can keep those bottom layers moist, don't ever let them dry out because once they dry out, it's very difficult to to add moisture to it. But I've had no issues that way. However, a lot of folks will point out that if you do the false bottom, you pour the water in, it naturally goes right down, gets in those clay balls or whatever you're using. And it's much easier to keep that as the moisture evaporates, it keeps up the natural humidity inside that enclosure and keeps your tarantula hydrate. So I may try more of that in the future just to try it out so I can speak to it. Does it do any harm? No, I don't. The only issue I've ever had with is one of them, I set up a false bottom on the spider, dug through into the false bottom, kind of made a mess. A lot of folks say they have no issues with that. So I think overall, once you realize the trick is to keep in the substrate deep, bottom layer is moist. They're not that difficult to keep, but other people might disagree. And again, I've been there. I remember. And I think part of the problem was when you read about moisture-dependent species back in the day, everybody was misting or just dumping water in the top. It took me a while to figure out the fact that the top didn't need to be moist. Uh, Back in the day, I would freak out. I would see. I remember my LP. I picked up its enclosure. The top was all dry. I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing's going to die. The bottom levels was still moist. So I pour more water in. I was overdoing it. Once I figured out that secret, bottom layer is moist, let the top dry out. It was good. Hopefully most people can take my recommendation on that, realize it's not that difficult and try these guys out because they're absolutely, if you like big spiders, you can't do any better than Theraphosa species. And finally, as a way of penance, because this was one of the spiders that I finally admitted to, was not my favorite for it was one I bought 
years ago because I didn't think I was ready for a Theraphosa species. I had heard these get just as big. They grow super fast. I was so ready to have this giant spider. I picked up a sling and then the sling took forever to grow. By the time the sling hit four inches, I had already kept Theraphosa species and other species like uh, Formictopus that had run laps around it. So because of that, I was kind of like, eh. But I have a big, giant, beautiful female now that I absolutely adore, and it is brought. She has brought me around to loving this species of spider. I am talking, of course, about a hobby staple, one of the probably one of the most popular species out there, Lasiodora parahybana, or the salmon pink bird eater. The I have one that I grew up as from a sling that is still only about seven and a half inches or so. She is not a very fast grower, but since then I've had two others. One of them I bought as a sling. I think I got it as a freebie, and it ended up being a mature male. And that one matured out within about five years or six years or so. So that one grew much more quickly. And I think as a male is about seven and a half inches or so. Gangly male, and I gave him off to a friend to breed. And then I have the one we're going to talk about here, which Billy bought me as a sexed three-inch female for my birthday way back in February of 2014. I think she had heard me complain that the other one wasn't growing fast enough, saw a good deal on a female and grabbed it. And I was glad she did because that's the one that kind of won me over. Now, growth, obviously, my other female grew more slowly. My male grew a little more quickly. I think he hit about three inches in the first year or so. I've had other folks tell me that theirs hit at least four inches or 10.16 centimeters or so in the first year of growth, which is quite good. I've just had, I've again, I've had bad luck with the female just not growing very quickly. I'm hoping I will have her for a good long time because she's, you know, still growing, still putting on decent size with each molt. She's just a little smaller than I would have expected her to be at this time, which is like, I don't know, I've had her like 10 or 11 years or something. She's, I've had her for a while. But anyway, the one Billy bought me just molted again. The, her previous molt, she was eight and a quarter inches or 21 centimeters. This newest molt was 8.5 inches or 21.6 centimeters. It was actually slightly over eight and a half inches or so. So now I'm guessing she's about eight and three quarters inches or 22.23 centimeters. So a very big spider, very bulky spider. What I love about her is she's she's thick. She's big bodied and, and big and thick. So really beautiful looking spider with that those dark undertones with the salmon colored hairs that give them the common name. Gorgeous spider. I'm looking at mine now and she again just molted like this week. So she's over there doing the tarantula yoga where she's stretched completely out flat and it's amazing to see how long she is. The enclosure I have her in is about 10 inches across and the other day she was laying out. She was about a half inch from the or three quarters of an inch from the side of the enclosure. One foot was touching one side. One foot was about three and a quarter inches away from the other side and she wasn't fully stretched out. So this is a big beefy spider. I love her. She is, you know, if you're looking for a good showcase spider, they sit right out in the open. Mine, I've been fortunate, all very, very calm. I know some folks will report they have defensive ones. I've not seen it. Mine, even the mature male, was very, very calm. And always, like anytime I walk up here, she's right there sitting there, calm as could be. Almost a pet rock like territory is in terms of staying stationary for long periods of time. So great show. What I mean, the spider has so much to offer. Great showcase spider. Most folks report faster growth rate for slings. Slings are very, very hardy. Again, moist substrate, they expect them to dig. This is one thing I put, this was one of the first spiders that I got that burrowed and I was freaking out about it and luckily I didn't dig it up because I went and reread and basically real recognize, all right, everybody's saying this is normal. So I left her and I was glad, but she would burrow when she'd go into pre-molt as a sling. She'd come back out, start eating again, burrow again. 
Keep that in mind as juveniles. Again, deep moist subs, give them some moist substrate, but I've heard folks keeping them on bone dry with water dishes. They do fine. Again, very, very, very hardy. I'm not going to use that term that begins with a B again because I promised myself I'd only use it once this video, but nigh unkillable as far as husbandry. And then adults, you can give them moist. They don't seem to prefer it. I do moisten down part of the substrate. Well, I have a plant in it now, so I keep that corner moist. She gets a big water dish. I've seen her drink before, kind of avoids, doesn't seem to gravitate toward the moist spot. A lot of folks keep them bone dry with a water dish. Again, very, very tough spider. So for somebody who is looking to start off with a sling, this might be a good one to start off with because they are very hardy. They can be tiny as young slings. That's something that to keep in mind. So it can take a little while for them to get put on a little bit of size. But a lot of there's so many of them out there at any given time. They're inexpensive. They're easy to come by, and you can usually find larger specimens. You'll see some folks will be like half-inch slings, three-quarters-inch slings, inch-and-a-quarter-inch slings. So you can decide which ones you want. Start with something a little bit bigger. It'll probably put on size a little bit more quickly for you. It'll be a little more hardy when you start off. But Lazy Dorpera, amazing spiders. This girl, I'm guessing she's smaller. I mean, I'm not guessing. She's smaller than my other adult Theraphosa blondie, but who cares? She's right around the ballpark of it. Gorgeous spider, monster spider, and one of the biggest ones in my collection. So there you have it. The director's cut, the expanded edition of the top biggest spiders in my collection. I'm sure there, uh, one of the folks, I think I mentioned this in the video that I've had some folks tell me their Acanthoscuria geniculata got to be over eight inches. Like one of them had an eight and a half inch one. And people are like, what about Acanthoscuria geniculata? Um, do they get big? Yes. Is mine that big right now? No, mine's about five and a half, six inches or so. So it's, it's the ones in my collection, the biggest ones in my collection. Also, a lot of folks chimed in with much bigger specimens. My buddy Charles has one of the biggest or had one of the biggest spiders I have ever seen in my life. It was, I believe, a male T. Sturmy, and it was around 11 inches confirmed. He had it spread out, measured it. I can't even imagine. I hope one of mine gets that big sometime. My Sturmy was one like nine and a half inches. That's a huge one. I guess it was one he bought. It was already seven inches. It molted two times, hit 11 inches. That's a massive, massive spider. Uh, I, I think it said somebody had an Ornata that they said was 11 inches. Somebody said they had an Avicularia, Avicularia that I want to say they said was nine inches. That would be huge. A lot of folks chiming in. So feel free to chime in what your biggest spiders are. It's just fun to hear. And what I want people to just get out of this is, A, if you're looking for big spiders, here are some spiders to scope out. B, to recognize those realistic max sizes, the growth rates, the facts that, yes, you may get a spider that someday reaches that mythological 10, 11 inch mark. It's going to take years in most cases. So to be aware of that, that it's not going to be like you're going to buy a T-Sturmy, a sling and then within five years you're going to have an 11 inch monster no it's going to take 10 15 20 years to get up to that point so that will do it for this one uh as all you can check out the video version of this where there's only five spiders featured but i, I got some decent footage some crappy footage too i screwed up I, I had a couple spots where i was supposed to cut things out of them because it wasn't very good footage and then i went and did the voiceover for it and forgot to cut the stuff out so i was kind of stuck with it so i apologize in advance i think i got some good shots and i got some really crappy shots so there's that, but I think it's overall, I was glad I was able to showcase some of them. You can, if you want to comment, Spotify is a place you can comment now. My Spotify presence has been really growing, which has been kind of cool to see. And they do have the comments. You just, I can't respond to them. And then you can respond, you can comment on thomasbigspiderspodcast.com. That's my home base for the podcast. And those I can see, I just know I have to activate them. I have to go after this. I've already got my email open because I got a couple more comments the last couple of days. I have to go activate and approve so they can go up. That's another spot you can comment if you want to. 
Guys, that will do it for this one. As always, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next time.